0: From WDBM East Lansing, this is City Pulse on the air. Joining you now, your editor-in-chief of the Lansing City Pulse, Burl Schwartz.
1: Hello again, this is Burl Schwartz talking. And as we talk, we're recording this on Friday, we anticipate that Vice President Joe Biden will be named the winner in the presidential contest. How did it happen? And what does it mean to Michigan? Later, we will check in with Kyle Mullin of the Capitol News Service Mears for his thoughts on the state front. First though, we're joined once again by MSU political science professor, Matt Grossman, to take a look at the big picture. Matt, we're talking on Friday morning. It's not official, but it appears uh, extremely likely that Joe Biden is going to win the uh, the, uh, White House. a week ago, uh, that seemed so inevitable uh, because of all the polls. What what happened? Why was it? Why is it so close?
0: Uh, well, it it looks like uh, the popular vote margin will be about five percent uh, when all the votes are are counted, um, which is a, a polling miss of about three points. Uh, which is about the same as the size of the polling miss in 2016. Uh, The state polling misses, some of them were quite a bit bigger, like in Wisconsin, where it was nearly nine points um, off. Uh, Some were closer, uh, like uh, Georgia um, and uh, North Carolina. So uh, it wasn't entirely a miss at the presidential level, um, but certainly much closer than the polls suggested. And the bigger uh, errors were in the down ballot races uh, where uh, some uh, surprises like Susan Collins holding on in Maine really were not called uh, by the polls. Uh, but but of course, uh, the, the larger point being uh, the, the likely election of uh, Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris uh, and uh, a Senate that, that looks about the same with, with maybe one or a couple more uh, uh, Democratic gains, depending on what happens in runoffs in Georgia.
1: Uh, it, the polls, I think you're being a little kind to pollsters, uh, but uh, what do you think accounted for the, the huge turnout we're now going to have, regardless of who wins, uh, Joseph Biden has gotten, either, or either Trump or Biden will have gotten more votes than any other uh, candidate for president?
0: Well, and that was actually foreseen by the polls, so <laughs> I'll stick with my optimism. Uh, every, those, every pre-election uh, survey showed dramatically high interest in the election, uh, showed that it was high on both sides, showed that people were planning to vote. Uh, the early voting signals also pointed in that direction. So um, yes, we got very high turnout uh, as expected, um, and uh, lots of people uh, came out in Michigan and nationally. Much
1: is being made of uh, that Joseph Biden, because of his Senate background, could possibly uh, reduce the tension and lack of cooperation between the parties. Uh, Do you see that the Republicans may uh, be interested in that as well?
0: Well, it's true, uh, Joe Biden is gonna be the president with the most congressional experience by uh, a long shot. We'll have more congressional experience than all of the last six presidents com- <laughs> combined. Uh, we'll have longstanding relationships uh, with congressional leaders, including Mitch McConnell, who may be returning as uh, ma- majority leader. Um, so, so that, that does uh, pretend well uh, for uh, his, uh, his success, but of course we're in a very polarized era. Uh, where it's extremely difficult for the parties to to come together on uh, anything. And it's not clear that the Republicans are going to see this as a repudiation. It looks like they are going to uh, come back in the national uh, House vote uh, if you add up all of the, the congressional districts, they're going to gain seats on Democrats uh, in the House. Uh, the House majority might be cut in half. And so uh, that they're not going to see that as a repudiation of them. They, they are going to see that as uh, voters didn't like Trump, uh, but stuck with Republicans down ballot.
1: Uh, the one, Perhaps the one American uh, who hasn't accepted uh, the inevitable is uh, the one in the White House. Uh, concerns about what the next Couple of months will be like with uh, with uh, Trump uh, there till January 20th.
0: Well, completely as everyone <laughs> expected, um, the we had the the blue and red mirages uh, on election day, depending on weather. The Election Day vote or the mail-in vote was counted uh, earlier, so it looked like Ohio and Texas were possibilities for Biden because they counted the mail-in vote early. It looked like Michigan and Pennsylvania were headed uh, towards Trump because they didn't count the mail-in vote. So all of that was expected, and also as expected, Donald Trump <laughs> behaved exactly like he was uh, saying that he would, and everyone else was saying that he would, and uh, you know, tried to cast doubt on the outcome. I think the election uh, administrators have done well. I think the mainstream media has done well in dismissing those complaints. Um, The protesters are not being seen as legitimate where they're trying to count the ballots in one place and and not in another. It's not like 2000. Uh, So there's a lot of good signs, but uh, of course the bad sign is that Trump is behaving exactly as expected. Um,
1: It was interesting to see all three major uh, broadcast networks uh, uh took Trump off the air uh, on Thursday uh, as he uh, um, repeated or made uh, statements patently untrue. Uh, But I sat there also thinking, is that really what's in our best interest to uh, simply take him off the air? Did you, what do you think about how the media has covered this, uh, particularly that incident and whether that is good for our system.
0: It's just,
1: oh, can't hear you. Oh, there you go,
0: you're back. All right, All right. It it is hard to know what the right response uh, is. Uh, they're trying to correct him, but they could ignore him, but you know, th- they might, Lead Trump supporting viewers to be untrustworthy they're They're not in a good position. so I would say overall they're they're doing pretty well. The only one exception, again, as expected, is Fox News primetime hosts, uh, which are uh, continuing to be uh, adding to all of the disingenuous and incorrect information about potential uh, fraud. Um, even though their own network is, you know, the news hosts and the decision desk are are doing fine in terms of uh, portraying the results. So that's the exception. We also have seen a lot of online disinformation. It was not only on the Republican side. We also saw, for example, uh, Dems jumping on uh, evidence that mail-in ballots weren't returned when it was just a scanning issue. So people in the aftermath want to kind of, you know, leap at stories. Um, but. Uh, with the exception of Fox and the online uh social commentary, everything else is is going better than expected
1: So, what is the future of trumpism? do you think
0: well alas, uh last th- this election was actually a a surprising victory for bush republicanism <laughs> that is uh George w. Bush uh in two thousand four was able to expand the el- Republican electorate. Uh, in a high turnout election from 2000, he was able to make gains among Hispanic Americans when it didn't look like he uh, would. And he was able to kind of move Florida and Ohio to the kind of Republican side of the, the national uh, electorate. And all those uh, three things uh, after this election look like they're in pretty good shape uh, for uh, the, the the old brand of Republicanism. In addition, Donald Trump underperformed U.S. Senate candidates, U.S. House candidates, and state legislative candidates that were Republicans. So there were a lot of normal Republican voters who voted against Donald Trump but kept supporting the Republican Party in, in state, local, and uh, congressional races. And that pretends well for the, the resurgence of the traditional Republican base.
1: And uh, indeed, here in Michigan, uh, incumbent Gary Peters uh, won by very, uh, very narrow margin. So, uh, Michigan helps prove your uh, prove your point. Well, I guess uh, we will see uh, how the uh, soap opera in the White House uh, unfolds over the next week, and uh, that may be, next week may be the end of our weekly conversations. Uh, uh, Matt Grossman uh, from Michigan State University, thanks so much for being on City Pulse.
0: Thank you. You're
1: listening to City Pulse on 89FM, The Impact. I'm Burl Schwartz. Now, let's bring in the City Pulse columnist, Kyle Mullen of Mears, the Capitol News Service, for a look at what happened politically in Michigan. Kyle, this was the week that was. Uh, We're talking on Friday, we still don't know officially if uh, Pennsylvania is going to go for Biden, but he sure looks like he will be the next president uh, before this weekend is over. Uh, What are your thoughts on on Trump uh, losing Michigan by a wide margin? Yet John James coming in so close that he almost defeated incumbent Gary Peters.
2: Yeah, well, I I think that uh, there were Republicans uh, and certainly a uh, a notable number who didn't like Donald Trump, uh, didn't want to support his reelect, uh, but were comfortable with John James. Uh, they saw John James as being more of a Republican. Uh, that they're comfortable with, who has conservative values, who uh, appears to at least be doing it for good of country as opposed to good for self, and um, had a business background that was uh, beyond reproach, at, at least it seemed like. At least, uh, you know, was a hometown guy uh, who was doing well in uh, the city of Detroit, had served his country in the military. Uh, he was just somebody that I think they felt a lot more comfortable with than Trump. And It wasn't a huge number, but it was enough to uh, allow John James to outperform the president here in in the the state of Michigan. I I will say that one of the big takeaways here, though, for me, was the enthusiasm, though, for the president in rural counties, in rural Michigan. Uh, His turnout numbers there were amazing. I mean, this state is going to end up having a 70% turnout which is uh, more than any other election since Kennedy-Nixon in 1960. Um, and a large reason for that is because Donald Trump did excite people in rural areas and we had voting participation there in the 80s in some places. 80% of all registered voters in some of these places voted and by and large, it was because of Donald Trump. Uh, he, he and his family came here uh, a lot. And to put it in perspective, in the last 20 days, of the election cycle, uh, Trump, one of his family members, or Mike Pence, was in this state 18 of those 20 days. Uh, Trump himself was here five times in the last week, just personally. Uh, And that helped Republicans. uh, Probably um, they wouldn't have the margin they did if it wasn't for that. They made races extremely close, closer than we thought. Uh, The Slotkin race was closer than we thought. Haley Stevens was closer than we thought. Angela Whitwer in Delta Township was closer than we thought. Uh, and so, if the Republicans in hindsight, of course, being 2020, if they had gotten um, uh, more money behind Paul Young, would he have been successful? Uh, you know, uh, that's worth a question. Uh, same thing with Eric Sasaki in uh, the 11th District and Gina Johnson in Delta, Town- uh, Delta Township. If more money and resources had been put into them, could they have won? Uh, it's, it's worth asking.
1: So what what does this mean, do you think, for uh, Democrats versus Republicans in Michigan? Uh, What about redistricting, for example? What's going to happen now?
2: Well, on redistricting, we're going to have a redistricting commission that's going to start redrawing lines next year when they get census numbers from the federal government. Um, But um, honestly, uh, this election was very regionalized in where the support was the rural areas love Donald Trump, the suburbs were um, uh, leaning more toward Democrats than they had in years past, uh, and the urban areas obviously were uh, for Democrats. Um, But as far as like how uh, the state is going to look, I don't know how much different it can possibly look as far as uh, what these district lines look like. Uh, You know, we're probably going to lose a congressional seat and unless this redistricting commission makes some kind of deal that it's that they're okay that the African American community is okay not having two majority minority districts meaning that uh, a majority of the population is is uh, is African American a minority population if they can cut that deal and cut that from two to one then we would have a district that um, district lines would probably look a lot cleaner. You'd have the city of Detroit being its own district with a couple other suburbs wrapped in there. If they don't cut that deal, borough, what will happen is that the city of Detroit will have to be cut in half again, and we're going to have screwy different lines to try and rope in people in in Pontiac or um, Southfield or these other areas, Um, and the lines are going to get all cockeyed. Um, But as far as the state house goes, um, I think the big impact is going to be that incumbent lawmakers are no longer going to be able to draw districts for themselves. And so you're going to see a lot more incumbent senators and house members roped in with each other and having to run against themselves, or they're going to end up having to move into new districts uh, so that they can, um, you know, represent kind of their old territory.
1: Now, uh, 2021 in Michigan is an off-year local elections. Uh, but is there anything on uh, on the horizon? Are there ballot issues that we should be thinking about for next year?
2: Oh, you're talking about the state level?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, no, I, the the ballot questions will be in 2022, uh, presuming that the uh, the effort to repeal the 1945 Riot Act. Uh, Has enough signatures, um, but it looks like the legislature is going to stay Republican, so they'll probably just vote that in anyway, and that won't go to the voters. It's really since the Supreme Court ruled it unconstitutional, that's kind of a formality now. I mean, it really doesn't make much difference. Uh, The Supreme Court said it's no good, so um, you know, whether it stays on the books uh, doesn't matter. Uh, But uh, the uh, Elliot Larson Civil Rights Act uh, expansion uh, that could be on the ballot if the Republican legislature. I ends up getting the signatures and saying, well, oh, you know what? We're not going to vote on this." That could be on the ballot, but it would have to go in 2022, not 21, because there is no statewide election in 21. Uh just here locally, it would be just the mayor's race would be what we would be focusing on here. And and mayor's races are, you know, across the state whoever has a mayor's race. Uh
1: nothing has dramatically changed uh, in the legislature uh d- does uh Does getting the election out of the way make it more or less likely that we may start seeing more cooperation between the the governor and the legislature?
2: Well, I'd like to say more and maybe slightly more, but it just still doesn't feel like they're doing, they're going out of their way to, to show a more congenial working relationship. I think they're getting what they feel like they need to get done in communicating through their staff, but I don't get the sense that the leaders are all that excited about getting into a room and hammering out deals. I don't think that's going to be still the working relationship uh, between these two, um, between the Republican legislature and the Democratic governor. I still feel like um, that they're still going to be talking through press releases and letters that are publicly released, which is, you know, unfortunate.
1: Before we go, I do want to talk to you about the Slotkin race. Uh, She did less well than she did uh, her first time out when she beat uh, uh, Mike, the incumbent, Mike Bishop, I believe six points, and this time she won by four points, I believe. Uh, Is that just an anomaly of a big turnout, or does that indicate she better watch her stuff?
2: Yeah, I think it's because of the big turnout. I, I, if I were slot, can I be a little more worried about what happens in redistricting? Because right now, um, that there are four members of Congress who live in Oakland County. So, you know, we have, we have 14 members of Congress, four of them live in Oakland County. Um, and that's not going to be the case after the redistricting commission is done. Uh, just because we're going to lose a seat, and it's going to be spread out a lot more. So you know, I think Slotkin's got that to worry about. And I just wonder, you know, where she's going to go and where Ingham County, who Ingham County is going to be represented by. I mean, do we bring the Flint down and uh, are we going to be represented by Dan Kilde? What about, or, or, you know, what about Tim Wahlberg? Is that a possibility? Or Mm -hmm. I I don't know what the maps could look like. We might not be represented by Alyssa Slotkin next time. We may not, that may not be our option. Um, uh, As far as the closeness of this race, I just think that um, folks underestimated, myself included, underestimated how much enthusiasm there, were, there was for Republicans, and Donald Trump in particular, in rural parts of Ingham County, uh, Livingston County, and uh, parts of Oakland, but basically more Livingston County.
1: The pollsters didn't uh, see it either in Michigan.
2: Well, the reason is is because um, these voters, by and large, didn't participate in any surveys and didn't wouldn't even pick up the phone, right? And so, what are pollsters supposed to do? I mean, are these people going to vote? We don't know. They're not picking up the phone. They're not telling us. And so then they complain later the polls are wrong. Well, you can't really complain about something you didn't participate in. Okay, that's that's a bit disingenuous. So I don't I don't have any problem with the pollsters on this at all. You know, if, if folks wanna have accurate polls, then folks gotta participate in polls. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately right now we're in a situation where only two to three percent of people participate in them at all. And if you get that low of a participation, the polls the, the pollsters gotta do creative things to, to try and guess what the results are. They wanna get it wrong less than anybody. Uh so
1: I wonder how much of that. Uh, yeah, I wonder how much of that is uh, people know when they're getting a robocall, and they uh, as far as I know, it's somebody trying to sell them insurance or something, so they hang exactly. up.
2: Yeah, you get so much of it, junk calls that people don't want to, don't want to. You know, that's what they think it is, so they hang up on them.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, Kyle Malin, thanks. Uh, You're looking reasonably well-rusted considering the week you just went through. Uh, Thanks for being in City Pulse. We'll look forward to your column on Wednesday.
2: Sounds good, Burl. Thanks. Uh,
1: Take care. You can read uh, Kyle's thoughts on politics and uh, state issues every week in City Pulse. Every Wednesday, we hit the streets. This is City Pulse on the air here on WDBM-FM 88.9. I'm Burl Schwartz, and it's time to go. So let's go out with another trip down Michigan's musical memory lane with our music columnist, Rich Tupica. Thanks first, though, to Skylar Ashley for producing this week's show. We'll return with a new one next week for City Pulse. I'm Burl Schwartz. Thanks for listening.